blessing, Almighty God, be in your heart and on your lips. You might readily proclaim the gospel, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With your spirit. Thank you. 
Thanks be to God. Our human imagination is a spectacularly wonderful thing. You know, with our imagination inside of these heads of ours, we can, we can, we can imagine with our eyes closed a perfectly delicious piece of pumpkin pie, even though there's no pumpkin pie anywhere nearby. At least, not anymore. We can use our imaginations to write entire novels about fantastic worlds that have never existed in the real world, but, but have color and texture and, and movement and life, it seems like. Wonderful stories that can be told using our written words and our imagination. And maybe most spectacular of all, you know, we can compose entire symphonies that tell a story not in words, but in, in notes and melodies and harmonies and music. It's a magnificent gift, this imagination that we've been given as human beings, a spectacularly wonderful thing that's inside our heads. You know, our imagination is indeed a wonderful thing, but it has its limitations For those of us who've been around long enough, if we go back and remember what we thought the earth looked like way, way back when we were young, before before there were space missions to the moon. You know, we had an image of the globe as this sort of round object that was hard and lifeless and had all kinds of lines written on it, and each country with its borders was a different color. You could kind of spin it, and that's about as much as you could do with it. And then once we went into space and looked back at the earth, we realized that our imagination had completely failed us. Our previous image of the earth was so dry and so lifeless and so, I don't know, just sort of empty. But what we saw from the moon was this spectacular blue and white and green globe that was living and filled with color. And it was so beautiful, it burst every limitation of our imagination with the reality that we saw for the first time. And that's not the only time that's happened, where our imagination completely failed us. We, we did the same problem with imagining the universe You know, scientists from the 1950s and 60s had already come up with the theory of the Big Bang and they had told us about galaxies and and all of these beautiful things that are out there. But but the pictures of them that they drew, they, they too were kind of cartoonish and lifeless. And then we we sent out a telescope into space, the Hubble. And once they got it fixated and focused on some of the darkest parts of the universe. My, oh my, we never imagined how beautiful this universe is beyond our solar system, beyond even our own galaxy. You know, nebulae and 
nebulae and other kinds of nebulae are out there and they look like horses and they're colored and they're beautiful and they're magnificent. We never imagined it. That it would be so beautiful. The reality of our universe just like our earth itself. And so if our imagination when it comes to these things that previously were unseen is so poor then what do you think our imagination about God is? You know, we very often imagine God. We, we have to imagine God. We're human beings, and so we have to use that capacity in our head to kind of put a picture on God. And, and it comes out in different ways. Sometimes God comes out of our imaginations like, like the God of Moses on Mount Sinai. No face, no body, just lightning bolts and thunder and heavy clouds and, and tablets made of stone. That's God. Or maybe we imagine God as a, as the, the God of, Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel, there he is up on the ceiling. And he's this great big old man, stretched out. And his hand is touching the finger of Adam. And he has gray hair and a gray beard. And he has the wisdom of the ages written into the wrinkles of his face. That's God. But is it really God? Is that what God really is like? Or would that image on the Sistine Chapel or that image from the book of Exodus in seeing the reality leave us saying, wow, we missed the boat completely on this. So how then might we imagine God as he really is? (laughs) The reality is that we don't have to imagine God as he really is. Because we've seen him with our own eyes. And we've heard him with our own ears. And our fingers have touched him with our own hands. And he's touched us. We don't have to pretend what God is like. We don't have to imagine it. We've seen God. Jesus, from the little baby in Bethlehem all the way to his last breath on the cross on Golgotha. We have seen what God is really like, who he really is with our own eyes. And it's not what we expected. It's not lightning bolts and thunder and big clouds. It's not a big old man stretching across the heavens with a white beard. It's this little carpenter from Nazareth who distinguishes himself by being utterly human with eyes and ears and fingers And most of all, the heart. And that's where we really find who God is. By paying attention to the heart of this Jesus. What we find is this God 
man who loves, who loves like nobody else has ever loved, whose compassion and mercy and goodness is not what we expected. You know, God, in, in the idea of the Hebrews, God, if he's going to come and save us and send us a Messiah, should come on a big white horse, you know, with a big sword in his hand, and he should cut down with his sword all the bad people and raise up all the good people. But instead, the reality is, a carpenter from Nazareth, who feeds the poor, who embraces the stranger, who forgives the sinner, who loves even though it means he will die. That's God. And this God has spoken to us and touched us and shown us the measure of our lives, who we are supposed to be. He has shown us the rule by which we are to live. And it's not the rule of power or domination or being a king with a crown on your head. It's the rule of humility and love and mercy and compassion, especially for the hungry, especially for the poor, especially for the broken, especially for the brokenhearted, especially for anyone who's sinned in this world of ours. Not a king with a crown, but a shepherd with a heart, a heart of love. That's God. And we could never have imagined him on our own. So on this solemn feast of Christ the King, the image we have of God, the image we have of Christ, is not a ruler set on a throne, overseeing the universe in all of its glory, the beautiful crown of gold atop his head, and a powerful sword in his hand. The image that we are given by God himself, of God for us, is instead that of a man who himself has loved and given himself up for us and assured us of forgiveness and shown us the way of mercy, who is a ruler not in the sense of a governor, but a ruler in the sense of giving us a measure of how we are to live. And we are called then to live as he lived, to exercise the Spirit of God in us by doing what he did. This Jesus, this Christ, this King of the universe, is the measure of our lives in his humility, in his mercy, in his kindness, perhaps most of all, in his forgiving love.